I got into embroidery from a, a moment of frustration, sadness, and grief that I, and failure, um, because I actually got into embroidery from one video that I watched on Instagram. This is Studio Confessions, a podcast inspiring conversation with artists and creatives as they complain about failure and success. Listen in for insight and strategies on how to live a more creative and beautiful life. That's right, I said beautiful. I am Luis Martin, the art engineer. Thanks for listening. August 16th. August 16th, Orlando, Florida, at Podcast Movement with Raven. Um, okay, so super casual, right? Mm-hmm. Hi, Raven. Hi. I'm so glad to be able to connect with you. So I'm in Orlando for the uh, Podcast Movement event, mm-hmm. and I've been a fan of your work for a very long time. I've seen it on Instagram, and it's super sophisticated and it's really powerful. So I called you and connected with you. Thank you so much. And then I see you and you're like this super young, amazing, <laughs> effervescent person. I'm like, wait a minute. Whoa, you're super, your work is amazing. It's very mature. So congratulations Thank on that. Thank you so much. Can you tell me a little bit of what's going on? What's going on in Orlando? How does an artist do? Uh, in Orlando, it feels, it's a very tight-knit group. Nice. So if you know one artist... I feel like you kind of know them all. And I, the thing I like about being an artist, a fiber artist in Orlando, I don't know any other fiber artists. So I feel like I kind of have this, not necessarily box, but this room to grow as my own. I don't necessarily feel like I have to compete, but I feel like I have an advantage sure. yeah. <laughs> over. Because every artist in Orlando is a painter or they sculpt or they do photography. So just coming straight out of the door as a fiber artist, I felt like I was something, there was a lot of room to experiment. Can you describe your artwork to us? My artwork would have to be considered figurative art, for sure. But this is the weird thing. I really don't know what category my art falls into. A lot of people say surrealism. A lot of people say figurative art. I really don't have no title because I feel like my connection with my art really doesn't have a title, so I really don't know how to describe it. So what, what is your, um, the themes that you explore usually? My themes that I normally explore are questions and the acquisitive nature that I seem to have because while I, I can get over something, I'm going to constantly question or try to figure out how that situation could have been different or why was the situation that way. Wow. So was, the theme is mainly questions. And there, you said it's figurative, so there's faces. Who are these people? Are these people you randomly take pictures of, or are these people in your life? A lot of them are people I went to school with, and friends, and uh, family members. My sister was a, a subject for me, so I try to to work closely with people I know. At one point, I was using um, commercial stock photos, and to me, I feel like the pieces were so dead because I didn't actually know the person, sure. even if I was manipulating them to the point of no recognition, I did not feel a connection towards them. And on the opposite side, when I knew the person, I felt like it was too strong. Um, I mean, to sit down and sew someone's face for hours, hours. 
things get dragged up and they're not necessarily always good. So a lot of things come out during the, the process of creating. So it's a meditative. It's very, very. Right. Um, and, and if you're mad at that person, it's a great <laughs> anger, <laughs> anger, um, therapy you just keep stabbing and stabbing pro stabbing. tip number 735 right yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're angry get into seven. embroidery that's amazing how did you get into embroidery i got into embroidery from a a moment of frustration sadness and grief that i in failure um because i actually got into embroidery from one video that i watched on instagram um, I don't know if you ever heard of the Sorry Girls. They're like two girls from Canada. They do DIY furniture and stuff like that. And they sewed, um, I don't know which album that was from Drake. Thank Me Later, the Six God Hands. They sewed it on a t-shirt. Very next day, I'm like, Mom, take me to the craft store. And I picked up red, black, and white thread. And I just started sewing anything I can get my hands on. So that was, that was the beginning of it. And even though that... I started doing this art medium as a way to help with my frustrations and my sadness. It just added another layer because I felt like I couldn't translate what I was really feeling because I didn't know how to use it. And um, I, I sometimes tell people that I feel a certain way that embroidery is deemed as an easy craft. But just like paints, if you give people paint or a pencil and paper and you don't give them direction, they're still not going to know how to use it. And that's how I felt with embroidery I did not know how to use it so a lot of my work was experimental I was pissed off that I couldn't I would look at paintings and drawings and get frustrated on why I couldn't do that and I didn't know how to do it because no one taught me how to how to embroider um, I was looking on Pinterest and you know I would see examples of flowers while there's nothing wrong with flowers I love Sarah K. Benning um, that wasn't me. I, I didn't sure. feel like that was what I wanted to put out in the world. And I think that's why it took from 2015 to 2018 for me to finally say, okay, I've, I feel like I can best translate who I am as a person through faces. And then that process began. And the first piece was Bending the Wills. And I felt like I finally was able to crack out of that that confinement of still not knowing how to use this art medium. And what did that face mean to you? That face for me felt like coming home. Hmm. I felt like I was definitely coming home. I felt like I was constantly looking in on what art was supposed to be. And to be able to finally put feeling, put a face to feeling, I felt amazing. Like this is it. This is what I was supposed to be doing. This is, I finally found the answer to that question. There's something very arresting about what you do. And, so, and listening to you saying that this is something you kind of just picked up and kind of perfected on your own is really jaw-dropping to me. Because like I said, there's something very uh, sophisticated, developed about your work. And there's something very, well, I don't know, deep. But as you were talking about craft, I think mm -hmm. that's a really interesting division, right, between fine art and craft and what deems craft. Mm -hmm. Is it gender? Is it economics? Is it thematical? Mm -hmm. um, when I looked at your work, I never thought of craft. I thought, wow, there's a certain uh, edge to it. 
that seemed really like fresh. And I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm getting to see where it comes from because, uh, I mean, not that age matters, but you are particularly young. You're, you're younger than I thought you were. <laughs> and it translates in a very informative and a way that addresses the zeitgeist, kind of what's happening right now to you as a person in this time and place, which is so important, mm -hmm. right? Um, also, in looking at your work and thinking about how sometimes we're grouped, right? I'm, I'm a collage artist, so I'm, I might be grouped with surrealist or, or craft or paperwork. You deal with African-American faces, image, imagery. Mm -hmm. Do you consider yourself, or how important is the African-American um, label, per se, in your artwork? I think that's an interesting question because now I'm getting into the process of well, I think from the very beginning, I was using a large amount of ethnicities of people. But I'm seeing now that a lot of my faces and portraits are men. And I, I feel like it's not only, I kind of feel pressure. No one's pressuring me, but I feel this internal pressure of needing to explore the inner monologue of black women. I feel like for a while I've been doing faces of men. And not necessarily black men, but I feel like... To me, the, the label of African-American matters, but to me, I feel like questions kind of, to me, the theme of questions really don't have a, a um, ethnic marker. Mm -mm. Or... I feel like it's, the question can be, can expand through, you know, And nations. what questions are you, are you posing through your work? Um, I'm gonna go off on a slight tangent. Yeah, please. I told an artist, uh, Nemanja, He's a Serbian artist, amazing. He was one of the first people that actually really pushed me up. And one thing I told to him is that I don't like scary art. I don't like dark things, but my art keeps coming out that way. It, it keeps coming out dark and it's never my intention. I don't, I don't sit down and conceptualize, I want a dark piece or this is what I want to portray. It just comes out and I have no idea how to filter it. And I think in a, a, a piece I did, Call Me Poison, it was bright. It to me, it looked it happy, and it still came out dark. Even the name called me poison. Sure. So the the inner monologue is constantly me asking, "Do I care?" Because um, my art really translate with relationships I have with people. I I constantly have to question myself of if I really care about something, or am I pretending if I care about something. Um, in case in point, I've, I've talked to men, and in that moment, I felt so much for them. And something can happen, and then months later, I do not remember their name. Hmm. And so I'm constantly thinking, is there something wrong with me? And I think that comes out through my art of, you know, identity, um, you know, questioning who you are as a human being. I don't know if people go around asking, you know, am I a little psycho? I think we all ask, like, am I a sociopath? <laughs> Even though a real sociopath would never ask exactly. that. Exactly. So you're, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out what is wrong with me. And it, it, I think it shows through my art because I don't necessarily think that I'm a bad person. But I think it comes out in my art as something that I'm battling with. They come out very dark. They come out very... I, I can't really describe it, but it's never. it was never my intention to create art that looks like this. It just happens.
Want to support this independent podcast? Go to studioconfessions.com and buy a print of any of the cover art for any of the episodes. Also, while you're there, join the email list to get updates and subscribers-only content. Remember to follow me on Instagram at artengineer. Now let's get back to the conversation. There's something very thoughtful about what you do. Now, do you conceptualize your work before you make it, or do you just come to your material and go at it? Um, not really, because uh, if you ask a few people who I photographed, I give them no direction. I just, and I think I make them feel pretty awkward because I'm just like, be yourself, just do whatever. Like I'm, I'm very loose with conceptualizing. I think the conceptualizing comes into um, play. I should probably turn this over. I'm getting distracted. Nice. Um, the conceptualizing comes into play when I'm naming a piece and I'm choosing the colors because sometimes I do natural skin tone. Sometimes I go in and I paint overlays onto the photos. But I think the conceptualizing comes into picking as I'm going through the photos and I'll see a happy face, but something in my mind is just like, nope, let's go with this one instead. And the conceptualizing is not, is not linear at all, like linear at all. So in the imagery, it's kind of pixelized and, and some of the faces erased or it is obscured. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you arrive at that? Is, is it in your head? Are you subtracting? Are you modifying? What's I think I'm, I'm modifying and I'm subtracting, but I think the main thing is if you do not, to me, eyes not being there is very terrifying because if if you take a face of a person and they're smiling and you remove the eyes, you don't know what they're smiling about. You don't know if it's menacing. You don't know if it's calm and serene. You have no idea. And to me, I know what the emotion I'm trying to portray, but to remove the eyes, I feel like I give the audience an opportunity to fill in the blank for themselves. So um, like a few of my pieces, Unrequited Love, you don't know if she's smiling out of anger. You don't know if she's smiling out of joy. It's what you feel. The, the title gives you a plot point, but from that moment, you can just say whatever you need to say. But I feel like that's the difference with my latest piece, Lost and Found. I literally wrote the ideation and put it out there like, this is what it means, and I hope you guys can connect with it. So that's really um, how I view the eyes. I, I take the eyes away for the benefit of others. That sounds amazing. How long... Does a piece take for you to create? Oh my God. I know people get so tired of me complaining, but I hear my my grandmother sews. She sews beautiful pillowcases. And she's just like, oh, it's so relaxing. I feel so relaxed. I'm stressed out the entire time I'm sewing. Like I'm so stressed out because I, I sew at such a minuscule level. My eyes, I have this line that forms in my eyes. It's just red across like an equator. Like an equator. Equator. We'll take it. My wrist does not bend. I'm pretty sure I'm I'm pushing carpal tunnel. Sure. It's not a peaceful process. It's a it's a it's a battle of wills. Wow. <laughs> the entire time I'm sewing. So a, a piece like lost and found, I have a few more weeks to go on that and I'm sixty hours in and it's four inches big. Wow. It takes a lot of determination. The amount of detail that you put in it as well. It's and, very and, impressive. And that's the thing I think I dislike about myself is that 
you know, people tell me, well, if you want bigger pieces and you want them to take longer, remove the detail. And I'm like, no, I need the detail. And then I'm like bitching about it as mm-hmm. I'm saying, like, why did I do this so detailed and small? Like, I want to be done with it. And I think that's where the envy of other artists kicks in for me sometimes is I say this, that our generation is a generation of instant gratification. And I sometimes fall into that trap. I have an idea of what a piece is, but I I know painters don't paint two days. But shit, I wish I could. Okay, right. curse. Of course, you can. yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I could. I want to see it immediately, or not immediately. I want to see it in a, in a manner that I'm happy with, and I can share it with people. Because I feel like I don't get to post as much on Instagram, or you mainly see me, you know, updating on Instagram. But I feel like I'm kind of lagging behind. I feel like I get left behind sometimes. Sure. Yeah, I think that, that that's a recurring theme in a lot of artists when they're thinking about their process. I'm really curious. What does your grandma think of your work? She never really commented. I w- she would just say it's nice, but I think a lot of my family really don't know. Like, okay, that's really dark. Like the unrequited love. My granddad was just like, "Why is that lady burnt?" I'm like, "She's not burnt." And I kind of got offended. Like, I-, I treat my artwork like it's my children, so I don't necessarily ask for the opinion of people I know who won't get it because it just takes one sure. word to make me get a little. Like, okay, sit down, we're going to talk about this piece. And I don't want to do that to them. I don't like to talk at people. But my grandmother, um, she, I feel like she really likes my work. And it's funny how we both sew and we do completely opposite things. But I felt like she she more understood my work when I was doing clothes. Because I was um, embellishing clothes for a while and... To me, I felt like working with clothes ruined my body more than doing portraits. I like I was sewing through denim with my hands, wow. and it was killer. And I was so unhappy doing that. Like it was beautiful, it was aesthetically beautiful. I felt like I could have made more money as an artist, more recognition, but I hated it so much. Like, how I, did you arrive at art? Hmm? How did you arrive at art? Like, was it like, oh, how did you realize you're an artist? Because it doesn't sound like you were surrounded by a bunch of artists. I was never surrounded by art. If anything, I remember distinctly being in elementary school and middle school and having to draw, and I would freak out. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to draw, to be completely honest. I'm not really a technical artist. I would sit there and draft and, and sketch and create this piece. I did not know how to do that. So those insecurities would come out. So for a while, I never thought that I'm an artsy person or I was creative. I, I got most of my creativeness out of, stories and out of writing and reading so arriving to the point of being an artist I was still in denial like I'm not really an artist I'm just doing xyz and then the the insecurity about being a crafty artist like okay you can't they consider this crafty so this isn't considered art so don't consider yourself an artist and I think I've battled that I'm still battling that for a while to actually accept the fact that people see me as something that I don't see myself as yet. So I'm still really battling because I look at Casey, I don't know, I want to say Casey's last name because I'm going to mess it up. Casey Zalbagalia? I'm not she, familiar with her work. I have to show you her work. Oh, she's, she's an embroidery artist. And I looked at her art and I never once thought she was a craft artist. She immediately find her artist. Hmm. So it was almost like, why can uh, one of my um, followers I talk to a lot, Danielle. Hey, Danielle, if you're listening to this. Hey, Danielle. She told me, um, 
we tend to treat others better than we treat ourselves. And I think that was very reflective in how I treated myself as an artist because there were times where I would push someone for six hours straight and then tell myself after, you're still not an artist. And that is, those dialogues are crazy. Yeah, it, it, sometimes I feel like I was kind of punishing myself with mm -hmm. some of my art, and then you know, I it was it was it's a very combative relationship. But I'm getting into the the sphere of having to forgive the way I think, and I think it's so interesting that I don't want to be considered a crafty artist, and no one has literally given me that title. I gave it to myself. Wow. That's huge. <laughs> no one has ever told me, your art is bad, your art is craft, stop calling yourself an artist, you don't need to be in a gallery. No one has ever said that to me except for me. And I felt kind of like, huh? yeah, and I feel like I have to unlearn that bad behavior. So, um, well, you're getting some attention. I saw that you were listed as one of the black artists to know in Orlando. So yeah. congratulations on <laughs> Thank that. Thank you so much. Um, you really stood out in the list as well. I was very, I was really impressed. Um, what are your plans as an artist? Do you have an idea of where you want to be in five years or what your career you would like that to look like? I recently made an Instagram story about this little sabbatical. I was on doing art full time and I was just so discouraged. Like I was getting commissions. I was doing work, but I felt like I needed something to I needed a balance of art. I couldn't do art full-time. That may change in a few months. Like I always say, I, I, I can switch it up. But in five years, I, I feel like I will just be creating. Right now, there's a shift going on in my art. I feel like I will be continuing that shift and hopefully showing, doing more shows, and just building my repertoire of collectors. I feel like that's where I will be happy. That's, that's what I feel like that will be my goal is to just keep making art that I love and, and, and sharing that art with people who love it and finding people who want to take it home. Because at the end of the day, we're creating art, we're posting on Instagram, we're not being paid for it sometimes. So I, I just want to be, you know, compensated for my time and my effort and I'll be good. And Absolutely. And, and you will and you should. I'm, I also really appreciate that you have a range, right? You create these exquisite pieces that are small and I hate this word but precious because there's so much time because there's so much detail but you also have prints mm -hmm. so there's a level of accessibility I do that myself with my collages I make prints um, and then there's levels of accessibility for collectors and people who just want to support you right so that's fantastic do you want to go to art school I thought about that for a while and I recently stumbled across a museum or gallery in New York that are offering certificates. So if no one knows it, I did not finish high school. So I'm in the process of finishing that up. And I, as I was in the car coming here, I just looked, I was three credits away from graduating. That's stupid. That three credits stopped what me from graduating. If you don't mind me asking. What happened was, you know, I talked to my guidance counselor, she brought me in and I was taking two courses that I dropped within the time period that I could. And it, it plummeted my grade. And I was three credits short, and she just made the suggestion that maybe you should drop out. Mind you, this was two months before graduation, or a few months before graduation. It was so close. Why would she make such a suggestion? That's <laughs> so weird. My school, I felt like it was more politics. Of course, if you if 
if I could have graduated or a bunch of kids came through and they were just like at the bare minimum of graduating, they didn't want those grades to be put in because it will lower their reputation That's and their amazing. grades. Yeah, wow. Yeah, a lot of, I talked to a lot of people, um, Jen Hewitt even mentioned it, like she talked, she's friends, she's friends with professors, and she told them what I experienced, and everybody was kind of like, I've never heard of a school doing it, making students leave during a certain point to not affect their grade. It makes sense. It was, it was very political, and that's, I was frustrated not only with them, but I was more frustrated with myself. Because I thought, like, I could have done more, you know. I could have done more to avoid this. But that's one thing I want to start documenting, how it feels to be 23 years old and going back to high school because I'm doing it virtually. But, I mean, what if we all had the opportunity to redo our senior year? I don't think I have much to do. I only have three and a half credits I have to finish. So it'll probably take a few weeks. But You'll probably enjoy it more. <laughs> yeah, I probably would enjoy it way more. But That's really fascinating. Yeah, um, yeah, I've, I've definitely considered going to art school. I considered RISD. I considered SCAD. I, I considered a lot of, um, even the Royal School of Needlework. I even... I've never heard of that. Can you tell me a little bit oh, about that? A, I don't know a lot about the Royal School of Needlework. Is that here in the in U.S.? London. It's a, um, well, I think it's in the name. It's a Royal School. Yeah. That, the thing I like about, I love about the UK is they put so much emphasis on embroidery. Embroidery is ingrained in the culture of, of European culture. And, you know, if, um, I think it's lock and key or I'm messing it up, but there's so many institutions that revel in, and um, embroidery is almost considered a government job there. I'm probably wrong, so no one check me, but <laughs> like, hand embroidery they still hand embroider their soldiers or the guards clothes wow. and let's say if somebody's being knighted or something everything is still done by hand and I think it's such a beautiful practice still being done but they are so they they treat it to a very high high degree than what the United States do and I really considered it, and they followed me on Instagram, and I was like, should I do, like, a That's class? That's amazing. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And they offer a lot of, like, stump work and gold work and things. That What's I've, stump work? Stump work, I think, is where they take felt. I feel like I'm so wrong. That embroidery girl, if you're listening, help me out. But it's like um, they take felt, and they sew on top of it, and okay. make nearly 3D uh, pieces. I see a lot of beetles and bees that, and yes, sculptural similar. embroidered pieces, but... It's beautiful, but one thing I, I, I think I, I said to my mom that I feel like I'm pretty sound in my practice. There's nothing wrong with going to school, but I feel almost fearful. If I go to art school, will they, will they change my vision or will, you know, by osmosis, will my vision change as an artist? Will I not be doing figurative work? Will my work be not as, you know, deemed as art if I go there under a textile a degree, but yes, yes, and who knows, right? Yeah, you're, but I think you're that's really part of the process. Know. I'm just curious about the only reason I ask you this is because I think about this a lot, right? I went to art school in New York. I'm originally mm -hmm. from LA, but I kind of felt the need to go to New York because I'm I I've always been identified as an artist or identified myself as an artist, and I thought, well, the only place to go if you're an artist is New York, and being in New York and having gone to school in New York and gone through it, I feel like, well, maybe I didn't have to do that, you yeah. know? Maybe there are other ways that are more economical, more nurturing, you know, because when you're in a city like that, 
other factors come into account, right? Mm -hmm. Finances, space, culture, just a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, because you've arrived at something that's just, just as uh, impressive and, and of high quality than someone who's operating in a city like New York. Mm -hmm. um, so that's part of my other question. Do you feel the need to leave Orlando to, to explore? Or what are your thoughts on that? I I say a lot like, um, I need to get out of Orlando to expand. Yes. But I get so homesick. Like, if I think about myself, like, what, what I would be doing in 10 to 15 years if I start a family and things like that, I always see raising a family here in Orlando. So it's, it's kind of conflicting. Do I want to grow as an artist or as an entrepreneur in another place? Or do I just, am I going to be landlocked here? But I don't, I don't feel trapped by Orlando. I don't feel like Orlando is stunting my growth. If anything, I feel like Orlando is coming up. And if yes. I feel the need to, to and you're go. you're going to be part of that. Yeah. That brings Orlando out. I hope so. But the, I always thought in my head, well, I don't need to go to New York or go to LA. I can just go to Miami. Because Miami right. is a huge hub, and it's kind of intimidating. Like just walking into Wynwood is is quite intimidating and exhilarating, and it's it's a beautiful experience. But just walking in those galleries, and my sister would be like, "She's an artist," and then just seeing the galleries make a face, I'm just like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh let's go, let's go, let's go." <laughs> like Miami is quite intimidating. I love sister. <laughs> you need a, a cheerleader, you know, always yeah. by your side, um, and. Before closing, I'm just curious. I want to pick your brain about. You, you already mentioned a few people that you look at. Do mm -hmm. you have any artists that really resonate with you? Casey, for sure. I feel like I need to look at my Instagram because there's just so many people. I just recently started um, following the artist. She does these amazing sculptures right now. She has like, and that's what I love about this artist. She does huge massive pieces and she does very very tiny pieces that you can wear and I just love that that extreme you can go extremely big or you can go extremely small I love that because I felt like for a while selling prints and doing smaller work was devaluing me because I was listening to the journey of other artists Correct. but I've I come to find out everybody's journey isn't the same like there's an artist named Tihi or Teresa she does commission she does i think she done prints at one time and she worked for gucci and it's just like we can't you know say if you do prints you're not going to be taken seriously as an artist when there's people that are doing prints that are being taken more seriously than the person making the comment but um oh i just found her her name is jamie bates sloan and that's so sad that who's my favorite artist now i don't remember her name but <laughs> I um i, I just recently followed her and i absolutely love her sculptures I'll put so, it in the show notes so our listeners can check it out yeah. with your uh, hashtag as well. Um, and what are you reading these days? Oh, smut. Oh, cool. Like what? Yeah, I mean, all <laughs> Just, these things come into your work, you know, some without even knowing, they, yeah. they influence what we do. Yeah, because I don't know if anyone noticed, a lot of embroiderers are just like, oh, I watch so much Netflix when I'm, so, when I'm sewing. Of course. I do not watch TV, period. Like, I haven't even got to watch Stranger Things yet. <laughs> I will take months to a year to watch a show because I'm so laser focused on finishing a line of portraits. I do not watch TV that often. So I you watch, listen to music while you're... I listen to... I go back and forth between... Sorry, YouTube, but free audio bootleg audio books on YouTube sure. and music. So I, I bounce back. I love listening to audio books. And sometimes the only thing that are free are those weird, freaky alien romances. And I take it in stride. 
I absolutely love it. That's great. Yeah, that's definitely a genre that's coming up. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, so, really quick, you want to, you're five years ago, or not even five years ago, because you would have been a teenager, but maybe when you were 20, what's the advice you would give to yourself, knowing what you know now? Self-manifestation is a thing. If you speak it into existence, it will happen. Scream it in the shower, scream it in the mirror, say it before you go to sleep. Self-manifestation is a thing. If you're on time, if you think you're late, you're not late, you're on time. And How has that worked for you? It, it has worked in, in the sense that I felt like I wasn't, back then I felt like I wasn't, I don't even know how to really explain it. I felt like I was behind. I felt like I wasn't taken seriously and I don't feel like my work was serious when I was 20, but I felt like I had to take that very specific path to end up where I am now. And while I was frustrated then, I'm grateful of the experience. And I've come to the realization that self-manifestation is so powerful. Um, Katrina, um, who creates Create Magazine, she really pushes that rhetoric that self-manifestation is... <laughs> Is a, is a big thing, and she is absolutely right. Out of everything, determination, um, I like to say that I am aggressively passionate. I mean, to stay up to 2 a.m. sewing, you have to have some kind of fire in your stomach, but you can have all those things, but if you don't actually believe, I don't think you can really, you know, hold those things to a, a certain value if you don't believe in what you're doing. Well, congratulations. I Thank really you appreciate so your time to sit with me and share a little bit about what you do. And I am uber excited to see what you can do in the future. And I, I'm going to be watching so and, oh, I like and, and cheering you on from New York or wherever <laughs> I am. Um, but thank you, Raven. You're so welcome. And thank you for having me. And one little thing, um, the experimental pieces, all I can say is it's going to be big. I love it. I can't wait. <laughs>